The alternatives market has shown operational and cash flow strength and resilience despite disruption in recent months. I caught up with Ollie Saunders, head of UK Commercial and EMEA Alternatives Valuations, to explore whether alternative real estate can really still be regarded as emerging and where stable diversification opportunities can now be found. How have alternatives performed, both in terms of income and capital growth performance, but also the capital that is being attracted to them? I mean, alternatives have had a remarkably strong performance, both sort of operationally and in their cash flow terms. So in sectors such as healthcare, and self-storage, you know, they're up there with uh, the industrial and the logistics markets. Um, and I think looking back at the pandemic, you know, they showed real resilience and robustness. Uh, rental uh, and income collections were strong compared to the pre-pandemic levels as well. So, um, but I think also when we look at how alternatives did, it's, it, it's hugely important to see how the equity markets treated alternative assets. And they, they actually bounced back very quickly after that initial shock that we had in March 2020. And with debt markets working well throughout the uh, the pandemic, and as we go forward with improved income prospects and a lot of weight of capital trying to come into the market, we're seeing those yields compress. So uh, you know, to answer your question, yeah, so good on both the income and the uh, capital uh, growth side. Now, I'm very close to the self-storage market, and um, I think there's been something like a, I think we're trying to call it like a tipping point. So there's been real market movement, um, because it was a semi-mature asset as we went into the pandemic, and now we're out the other side. We can see deals of over £100 million where deals can be possible. And, and you know, just to give you an example of what we're seeing, normally we'd expect €300 million Euros of deals in a year. This year, I, I reckon we're probably going to see a billion euros. And, and I call it a tipping point because what used to be 7% yield became 6 and now it's suddenly gone down to 5.5%. So, so that, that compression isn't unexpected, but the speed at which it happened was a lot faster than, than even I, I thought as well. So we got there quicker for, for a number of uh, different reasons, really, which I'm sure we can go into. So how does this vary across different EMEA countries? Well, I mean, at a European level, we've got a lot of capital trying to come into it wholesale. So I think when we were talking back in 2014, there was about 25% going into alternatives. It had risen from 15% in 2006. Now, when we're talking, uh, it's about 35%. So there's a huge allocation coming into it. And, and they're all at different rates across different countries. And I, I suppose, let, let me give you an example. Um, you know, in the student housing market, 75% of all transactions are in the UK market, but the rest of Europe has got 2.6 million beds that it needs to build. So, so the UK market is much more mature and there's that tipping point. In the storage market, 45% of Swedish people have moved house in the last five years. Great fact. In Italy, it's only 10%. So the self-storage market in Italy will never be the same size as, as the Swedish market, but it's got lots of growth to do. And that's what makes alternatives so interesting because they're linked to the businesses and the operations and what the country demographics are as well. They're, they're different to quite a lot of uh, those uh, traditional real estate markets as well. Um, but, but you know, the markets are tripling. There are different levels of nascency. We're seeing assets become pretty mature. If you look at the history of student housing, that's now institutionally acceptable. So it's all driven by demographics, the state of the economy, the, 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 the speed at which countries have evolved uh, to their digital economies and so on. Um, but um, that's where the opportunity are, is in the market, because you can look at one country and say, well, I have seen it do this in this part of Europe. This is the trend that we're going to see be delivered. And it normally happens as well. Um, that's why it's the most interesting part of the property market, in my view. Can we get the transparency that other commercial property sectors offer? 
Yeah, I, I often get asked that question and, and um, I really do hope so as it makes it more investable. It also gives much more valuation accuracy, which gives more confidence. So, so all those ingredients make it a much better asset class. Um, and it also means the need to have really specialist teams and investors who focus on those key sectors. So by being a, an advisor or an investor who's close to those operational markets, I think that's how you create a lot of value in the market. Um, and that's to the advantage of the investors that focus on macro bets about certain sectors of the economy, certain demographic chains, really learn those markets and take uh, competitive advantage. But, but I, I think, you know, you can look at data on a spreadsheet or in a fancy report, but you really do need to understand the operational risk and the business that supports the investment, which is key to this area of property. You know, in the same way for commercial properties, you know, how does an office occupier pay the rent? It's a bit more nuanced and a bit more complex in the alternative markets, but um, that's what's part of our business. That's why I love advising in that market. What were the stellar performers? And give us an idea, Ollie, of what the next big alternatives markets could be. Yeah, I, I suppose the one that I'm watching most is car parking. Um, the, the, the Europe is going to transition to electric vehicles, and I genuinely believe that we're going to have autonomous cars here in 10 years' time, uh, if not sooner. Um, and I think people who understand that market have great opportunities in real estate. Now, there are going to be some big winners, and there are going to be some big losers in this sector as well. And back to what I said before, they really need to understand the operational aspects, as it's so important, because two car parks next door to each other just aren't the same, uh, you know, unlike many other asset classes as well. And I, I think as we transition across to the sort of the sustainable world that we have to move to in real estate, I, I think the infrastructure side offers incredible opportunities. So things like renewable energies and wind farms, highly investable uh, asset classes as well. But but what's the next best thing? It's, it, it's difficult. And um, I love things like dark kitchens. So this is where you order food online. They're actually produced uh, in a uh, in an operational asset and your food is delivered super quickly as well. And also, if you think about the petrol filling stations of the future, they're going to be those EV networks. So they will generate lots of revenue. They need investment coming into them. They're an essential part of real estate as we you know transition to a, a net zero economy. economy. And when you put the infrastructure in a country like Norway, 80% of their new cars are electric vehicles because you know that it works and you can refill. So, so that is why I think there's going to be a huge interest in this area as well. Um, but uh, but uh, I, I think something that we are talking about all the time is ESG. And the thing I love about alternatives is it's a very innovative, entrepreneurial group of um, people in it as well. So with the need to build good green buildings with entrepreneurial new uses, if you can build a net zero carbon building and alternatives, I, that's just a sure winner in my book in today's real estate market.